0: A reading from the first book of Samuel. The Lord said to Samuel, Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem, for I have chosen my king from among his sons. As Jesse and his sons came to the sacrifice, Samuel looked at Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is here before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not judge from his appearance or from his lofty stature because I have rejected him. Not as man sees does God see, because man sees the appearance, but the Lord looks into the heart. In the same way, Jesse presented seven sons before Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. And then Samuel asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? Jesse replied, There is still the youngest who is tending the sheep. Samuel said to Jesse, Send for him. We will not begin the sacrificial banquet until he arrives here. Jesse sent and had the young man brought to them. He was ruddy, a youth handsome to behold, and making a splendid appearance. The Lord said, there, anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel, with the horn of oil in hand, anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David. Ebum Thank you. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Ephesians. Brothers and sisters, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for light produces every kind of goodness and righteousness and truth. Try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the fruitless works of darkness. Rather, expose them, for it is shameful even to mention the things done by them in secret, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, for everything that becomes visible is light, therefore it says, "Awake, O sleeper, and rise and arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light." As Jesus passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither he nor his parents sinned. It is so that the works of God might be made visible through him. We have to do the works of the one who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and smeared the clay on his eyes, and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he went and washed, and came back able to see. His neighbors and those who had seen him earlier as a beggar said, "'Isn't this the one who used to sit and beg?' "'Some said, "'It is,' but others said, "'No, he just looks like him.' "'He said, "'I am.' "'So they said to him, "'How were your eyes opened?' "'He replied, "'The man called Jesus made clay "'and anointed my eyes, and told me, "'Go to to Siloam and wash.' "'So I went there and washed,' and was able to see. And they said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought the one who was once blind to the Pharisees. Now Jesus had made clay and opened his eyes on a Sabbath. So then the Pharisees also asked him how he was able to see. He said to them, he put clay on my eyes and I washed and now I can see. So some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How can a sinful man do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said to the blind man again, What do you have to say about him, since he opened your eyes? He said, He is a prophet. Now the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and gained his sight until they summoned the parents of the one who had gained his sight. They asked him, they asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he now see? His parents answered and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. We do not know how he sees now, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he can speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone acknowledged him as the Christ, he would be expelled from the synagogue. For this reason, his parents said, "'He is of age, question him.'" So a second time they called the man who had been born, who had been blind and said to him, "'Give God the praise. "'We know that this man is a sinner.'" He replied, If he is a sinner, I do not know. One thing I do know is that I was blind, and now I see. So they said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? They ridiculed him and said, You are that man's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but we do not know where this one is from. The man answered and said to them, this is what is so amazing, that you do not know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if one is devout and does his will, he listens to him. It is unheard of that anyone ever opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he would not be able to do anything. They answered and said to him, You were, totally born, you were born totally in sin, and are you trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. When Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, he found him and said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered and said, Who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? Jesus said to him, You have seen him and the one speaking with you is he. He said, I do believe, Lord, and he worshiped him. Then Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see might see, and those who do see might become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard this and said to him, surely we are not also blind, are we? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you are saying, We see, so your sin remains. <laughs> Today's reading from John's Gospel is really one of my favorite accounts in this Gospel, primarily owing to the personality and the character of the man born blind. His responses to the endless questioning of the Pharisees that suggest that he was a very down-to-earth and simple person, and he, he stuck to the truth. He wasn't pressured by the Pharisees, he was someone who would present no obstacles to receiving the truth about Jesus Christ. Now this account is written in typical Johannine fa- fashion. It takes place in the first half of the Gospel, which is commonly referred to as the Book of Signs. And then the second half of the book being the Book of Glory, where those signs are fulfilled. There are a number of common themes that are found throughout the gospel, such as light and darkness, water, blindness and sight, believing in the Son of Man, and so forth. And John uses these themes as a means of communicating a profound spiritual message, that Jesus is not merely a man, but that he is the Messiah, he is the light of the world, he is the Word made flesh. And this account of the healing of the man born blind is so rich in meaning that it would be a disservice to boil it down to one overall message. But one could say that the primary thrust of this miracle is to manifest Jesus as the light of the world. Although there are a number of remarkable aspects to this account, what is particularly impressive is that it was previously unheard of that anyone had opened the eyes of a man born blind. You know, as we know from the Old Testament, a lot of the Old Testament prophets were able to perform miracles. So performing miracles was not something that was unique. But this particular case was entirely unique, to heal a man who was born blind. And so we we might take this miracle for granted. We hear it time and time again, and we fail to appreciate its magnitude and its impact. This is why the Pharisees were struggling with it so much. Now notice at the beginning that the disciples of Jesus asked whether the man or his parents sin had caused the man's blindness. And Jesus answers that it was not on account of the sin of either the man or his parents. Rather, the man was born blind so that the works of God might be made manifest in him. Now, it could seem odd or perhaps unfair that God allowed this man to be born blind just so that God's work might be manifested through him. Yet John the Evangelist is clearly communicating to us a much deeper reality in this passage. It's not just about the man born blind. This man is actually representative of all humanity, born in the condition of original sin. You know, every one of us is born, not so much with physical blindness, but with spiritual blindness. We are all born in a state of separation from God. And there's really nothing that we did to merit that except for our first parents, the sin of our first parents. There is no natural or earthly remedy for this form of blindness. We cannot heal our spiritual blindness through any work or effort of our own. We must rely upon the creative work of God to restore our spiritual sight. The man born blind could not do anything himself to restore his sight. He had to rely entirely upon the Lord. And so we are entirely dependent upon Jesus Christ, our Lord for salvation. Now note that this miracle is one of the only instances when Jesus does not elicit an act of faith from the one who is afflicted. He does not ask the man if he wishes to be healed, nor does he require the man's faith in order for him to be healed. That's often a theme, do you believe? Well, then I grant it to you. Well, in this case, he just does the healing on the man. In fact, the man does not even know who Jesus is before he is healed. Jesus simply performs the miraculous healing without saying anything to the man except to tell him to go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And the man obediently complies with Jesus command. So Jesus is the one who performs the work of redemption. And he merely looks for our cooperation. You know, just for us to obey his commands. Now Jesus uses clay On the man's eyes in order to heal him. And absolutely speaking, (laughs) Jesus does not really need to use any material thing to work a healing. He can simply say the word or he can simply will it and it will happen. And so there is a, a clear sacramental significance to Jesus' actions. Jesus uses with he works with material goods. He uses, works with material objects in healing. You know, just as we use material objects in the sacraments of the church. This is wh- how Jesus wills to work. Furthermore, the clay harkens back to the creation of man in Genesis, who was formed from the dust of the earth. And there is an ancient Jewish tradition that God had created man using saliva and dust in order to form man from the resulting clay. In the case of the blind man, Jesus, the Son of God, through whom all things were created, uses clay in carrying out an act of recreation or a new creation on the man's eyes. Only God has the capacity to create. Only God has the capacity to grant sight to someone who was born blind. So in a sense, Jesus is making a new creation with this man. Now this man who has had his physical sight restored then becomes the means through which the spiritual blindness of the Pharisees is manifested. Through Jesus, the blind receive their sight, while those who thought they could see are actually manifested as blind. The Pharisees not only vigorously interrogate the man, but they even confront his parents and interrogate his parents. They were faced with what they considered to be an irreconcilable dilemma. It even caused a division among themselves. First, no sinner can perform miracles such as this. Yet they regarded healing on the Sabbath as a sin. He did work on the Sabbath. And they see clearly that Jesus has performed this healing on the Sabbath. So there are only two conclusions that one can draw and one is entirely nonsensical. You know, either Jesus is a sinner who was somehow able to perform a sign which is impossible or contradictory or Jesus is who he says he is and thus healing on the Sabbath is not sinful. They could not prove that the man was lying. There was plenty of evidence, there was plenty of witnesses to support the fact that he was born blind and he was made whole again. He was able to see again. So at this point, the Pharisees should be able to recognize the truth that is right before their eyes. Yet they willfully refuse. In their arrogance, they refuse to believe that Jesus is the Messiah and the Son of God. And so because of this, they are left in spiritual blindness, which is a much worse blindness than physical blindness. Now having been healed of his physical blindness, the man is ready to accept Jesus' identity once it is revealed to him. You know, the man did not make an act of faith prior to being healed but he does make an act of faith afterwards. Jesus reveals his identity to the man and the man immediately believes. And then Jesus says that he came into the world for judgment that there might be a great reversal that takes place between the blind and those who see. Jesus brings light to those in darkness, in the darkness of sin, whereas he removes the lights from those who, in their pride, do not acknowledge the true lights. Now, at the beginning of today's account, the man born blind was the one who could not see, while the Pharisees could see. And by the end of the account, the blind man is able to see both physically and spiritually, whereas the the Pharisees manifest their spiritual blindness. It is our Lord through the church who recreates our spiritual sight through the sacrament of baptism. As he used clay and water to restore sight to the blind man, so he uses the waters of regeneration at baptism to work a new creation in each one of us. We maintain our spiritual vision once we have been baptized, provided that we do not fall into sin. And having had our sight restored through baptism, we must continually recognize and give thanks, the Holy Eucharist. the very word Eucharist means give thanks to the one who has healed us. And to the extent that we lose sight of Jesus and fall into sin after baptism, we lose our spiritual sight. Our our spiritual sight is impaired. And it it is sin that blinds us, that shrouds our spiritual eyes more and more in darkness. And so once again, you know, if we do find ourselves in this condition, we have to reach out to the Lord from the darkness of sin in humility, in contrition, in order to have our sight restored through the sacrament of penance. And so we rejoice that the Lord has given us this gift of spiritual vision, and we pray that we might safeguard this precious gift given to us.